All right, so you're thinking about digital assets, whether it's cryptocurrency, NFTs. Maybe you're looking at complete new dynamics of doing your own portfolio in a new way. Maybe that's something you'd like to know. Well, today we're going to dive into it. My name is Paul Barron. This is TechPath. And joining me today is, of course, the host of Digital Asset News. You guys probably know him as Rob Wolf, uh, synonymously on the internet. Great to have you out there, Rob. Thanks for stopping in. Paul, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. This should be a fun time. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Let's get into, so I've been a fan of your channel. Great job. Love all of the variety. Uh, You know, I like to kind of think we do things on a very varied basis. We cover EV, you know, autonomy, robotic. It's mostly forward-thinking tech. But cryptocurrency always jumps into it, and so does um, kind of this whole new movement in fintech. And I thought, you, listen, you're probably one of the top five guys I follow, and I thought this would be a great chance for us to get your input on where you think things are going. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. I, I like it. All right, so let's talk about first things. And as recording of this as of today, the market is in somewhat of a meltdown. Not, I wouldn't say this is a major correction, but it definitely is one that's got a few people's attention. What are your thoughts of where the market is moving currently in relationship primarily to transfer of um, investments maybe over to digital assets? Do you see any kind of trends moving in that direction? Well, I mean, first of all, it's it's a funny thing. Your your viewers right now, I don't know if they're in the traditional finance space, but if they're watching you, Paul, they're probably into a little bit of cryptocurrency digital assets. Probably. So let me just back up and say, if you're in the traditional market and you see a, uh, a 5% dip or a 7% dip, it is like the worst day of all time, right? Mm-hmm. Or 20% dip, 30%. I mean, that's, that's un- unfathomable. But that's crypto, a Tuesday in cryptocurrency. <laughs> see, you stole my thunder. Exactly. That, that, that is just a Tuesday. So nobody, it's not, not a big deal. So uh, first of all, you have to understand that uh, the crypto market moves very fast. There's a lot of different things changing hands. And yep. it is a very, even though we are at a $2.41, $2.44 trillion market cap, uh, we just uh, expanded from $200 billion market cap. Yeah, in, in less than a year. Mm-hmm. So you, that's, the, that, that's the first part you have to understand. So I believe that a lot of people who are in traditional markets are getting into the cryptocurrency digital asset market because of the fact that there is so much volatility, which means, which is great for traders because there are so much gains to be had. And right. also, uh, this is one of the few markets that is open 24-7, 365. So if you need liquidity, where is a better place to go than to mm-hmm. the crypto market, especially if you just lost your tail on a on a on a leverage trade on something else in the traditional market, where can I get money? Let me just go over here and grab it this way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see some parallels. And as we overlap uh, in 2021, I think we're going to see more of a consistency between traditional market dips and the cryptocurrency digital asset market as far as the dips go. So, yeah, so we started to see a dip yesterday. Um, you know, we're, we're filming this in mid mid or so April. Uh, the crypto markets also responded or it feels like they did. We saw Bitcoin take a, a bit of a hit. Ethereum took a, a, a massive hit. Uh, and then, you know, the next day it starts to climb right outside of itself again. How do you make any kind of sense of those kinds of market shifts when we see traditional investing really kind of, because I, I talk to a lot of friends of mine who are big investors. They've been riding stock, the stock market for years and more, more so here recently for the first time, you know, on our Friday night cigar nights, I'm getting yeah, more and nice. more people asking about cryptocurrency than 
ever before. It used to be like two, three people a month. Now it's every other person that, you know, kind of frequents with us. Do you see this as a major shift or do you think this is one of those things that people are just kind of dabbling into the cryptocurrency uh, just to kind of play in it and then move back over while the market volatility in traditional investing slows down? Well, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great question. It's a loaded question, a lot to unpack, Paul. But so let's, let's take it back. So me and you, we've been around for a little bit. We've seen some things shift in the markets. Remember in the dot-com era? When everybody first came in, yeah, yeah, and uh, there was a lot of different investors that said, "Well," and it was the same thing. They said, "Well, let's get into it because th- there's a lot of volatility. We can make yeah. a lot of money. We'll jump out, but it's not going to take over the world. That's ridiculous." And now here we are. <laughs> uh, Amazon, you were called a, a, a complete moron for holding Amazon stock when it fell 92 percent. Now, yeah. if you just would have held on to it, you are a genius. So when we take a look at uh, these things that are going on right now in cryptocurrencies, digital asset market, I think, in all honesty, that if you can trade it all day long, uh, you can be a successful trader. I personally am not a trader. But the people that make a, a, an enormous amount of wealth are the ones that are just straight investors. And that's what mm-hmm. I talk about on my channel uh, as much as I possibly can. Because uh, like when I first got in 2017, all the videos and all the information out there was that the only way to make money in crypto was to trade, yep. leverage trade, 10, 50, 100x, and try not to get wrecked. Yep. And now what we see is people getting wrecked constantly. And for me, since all I do is since 2017, I just do a very simple, boring thing, which is called dollar cost average. Yeah. And I've been dollar cost averaging since 2017. I dollar cost average on the way up. Dollar cost in the, on the way down. And my favorite time to dollar cost average is when things are moving sideways and boring for these days that are this bull market. Yeah. So I, I think there's going to be a dichotomy of people. Some will see this as just a short-term type of play, and they're going to get out because they think there is no future whatsoever. But people who have been in the space, I think we know where things are going, just like the people that were in the space in Silicon Valley in the dot-com yeah. era, and they saw where things are going, and they just right. stayed, stayed around yeah, I, and I reference that often. I, you know, my first job out of uh, college was with Microsoft. So I worked with Bill Gates and his team and, and the original crew at Microsoft. And it, it was an era that we made a lot of mistakes when we didn't recognize the Internet, literally didn't recognize the Internet uh, and thought that essentially it was going to move away and it was a fad. And all of the companies that were essentially moving to it. So we made some huge mistakes. And I, I kind of look at that era as kind of today's era of traditional investors is they they know it's there and they want to play in it, but it's a very, you know, they're just dabbling uh, to kind of go in that direction. But at the same time, if you look at the amount of, um, you know, traditional, you know, mainstream investors today and also companies really moving into crypto, do you feel like this is the step that we've been waiting for to see digital assets to become part of the roundtable Uh, when you look at portfolio analysis? You know, I think it's a start. And in 2017, my history was I got in 2017. And I, when I looked at it, I thought to myself, well, this could change everything just like the dot-com era. And we could see, you know, a ton of different things uh, go about as far as like, uh, as far as currencies, as far as payments globally, not having to, not have to wait for wire transfers, uh, doing smart contracts, putting things like uh, mortgages and digital IDs on the internet and helping out third world countries, those types of things. I thought 
it could really do, uh, really change things. But in 2017, that wasn't the time because it was just white papers, hopes, and dreams. There was only a couple that actually did things. And you remember the ICO era, it, yep. just like the dot-com era. There was just, if you put your name and then say dot-com, you're going to make a ton of money. Right. And a lot of people lost out. And the same thing happened in 2017. Now, from 2018 to now, there has been more groundwork laid. There's been more projects with fantastic teams uh, behind it that have really built some great things. So I think 2021 is in, in my opinion, 2021 is a step in the right direction, but we're still not where we should be or could be, uh, just given another four, four years or so and another uh, bull cycle, as I call it. And uh, I think things will be where uh, we should be. And, I, and I, I, I talk about that because, I mean, right now, if you want to use a cryptocurrency as a currency, you're not using Bitcoin. You're not going into a Starbucks, like like that that old adage. You're not going to Starbucks to, to buy coffee with Bitcoin. You're just not. You're buying it. It's a speculative asset. You're using it as a store of value. Ethereum, you're not using it uh, as any type of currency. And you're kind of using it as, as a smart contract for what it was actually uh, built for. But right. really what you're doing is putting those on decentralized exchanges and buying other types of tokens or ERC-20 tokens, which are based on the Ethereum network, and just buying all those because you're in price discovery. Right. So are we doing anything right now in crypto and digital assets that really has real world use case uh, criteria? I mean, are we doing anything like like putting mortgages and, and contracts mm-hmm. and lands and government and voting on uh, uh, that is really widespread? No, not right now. But we're a heck of a lot farther than what we were in 2017. Yeah. So you think this is a cycle out? Um, that right now it's really just, you know, it's going to be making some Bitcoin millionaires out there in the sense of just the price volatility. But the real movement potentially is another bull run away. I think, I think this is the time when things really start to pick up steam because with the market, they saw exactly where they kind of said, okay, here was the ICO days. And we know that we're going to flush out all these bad projects. The ones that mm-hmm. actually make it and actually can do things, we're going to run with those. So I think for right now, you're going to see a lot of people make a lot of money because it is in that price discovery. But as far as like uh, real world use, like here's an example. If you're looking at by market cap, Bitcoin's store of value, we can accept that. Ethereum is great for smart contracts. But if you've seen the fees right now to do smart contracts, and this is over people's heads, I'm sorry. Right. Check out Digital Asset News. I got a great uh, channel over there. I'll I'll tell you all about it. It's super expensive. 800 to spend $800. For the, for the fee to use Ethereum, mm-hmm. it's yep. an additional $200. So that's not going to happen. And then take a, take a look down to like number six, where Cardano is, and that's mm-hmm. the next kind of competitor to uh, Ethereum. They don't mm-hmm. even have smart contracts right now. Exactly. And they won't yeah. have those until July or August. So I think things will happen. Um, here, so to embellish a little bit about things that could happen, here's a prime example. Uh, Cardano is moving into Africa. They've already yep. uh, signed contracts with Ethiopia. They're going to be uh, working with the government to provide a digital ID as far as education and uh, to verify diplomas and things like that. Right. They're working in conjunction with a world mobile token, and they're going to provide uh, telecommunications internet service to regions in sub-Saharan Africa by uh, providing uh, solar panels, by providing uh, a mesh network of called uh, air, air nodes, and then also putting people on the blockchain because it's a crazy thing is that even though that it is a third world country, 
these countries still have massive amounts of smartphone usage, which I think right. was always a, it never made sense to me until I, I took a, a deep dive into it. They're going to skip over uh, exactly. that, that, uh, that, the banking sector and just go right into blockchain. And I yep. think that is a real world usage. Okay, sorry to yeah. ramble no, on you, there so much. For no, me. you're hitting on something that's very, that's very I think, uh, tuned in to our audience in, in terms of innovative technology. And because everybody that watches us, this show, they're either one, they're investors in innovative tech or they're exploring new kinds of tech because they see it, whether it's five years, a decade down. But to your point, there's a lot of countries that are kind of in that space right now where they're essentially jumping over the traditional uh, technology infrastructure that we have. Even if you just look down to the fact of wired Internet and where you know, TCP IP protocols have been going and what could happen in some of these third world countries that essentially are going to jump right into 5G and moving directly into fintech and just hyperspeeding to the next level, which means you're going to see a lot of adoption in things like cryptocurrency, digital assets, which if you look at the country listing on adoption, it's mostly countries like Nigeria, Ethiopia. I mean, you just could go down the list and, and it's way, it's a ways down the list before you see a, a, you know, a traditional modern country like the United States or even Great Britain in there in oh, terms yeah. of adoption. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. So I, I would totally agree with you there is that these countries are probably going to be seeing those. But I, I am agreement. I am a Cardano holder, uh, full of disclosure. Um, mm. And we talk about Cardano. We just did a piece on it uh, here recently. But I want to talk to you and jump back to inflation because that's something that I'm wonder, wondering whether or not it's going to have an effect on uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, inflation numbers are going to get released this week. Um, likelihood is it could be a little bit flat or it could be much higher than we anticipated. If it goes high, where do you think, uh, what do you think, obviously we'll see traditional markets most likely react. What are your thoughts mm -hmm. on where crypto might go if inflation does come back in at a, a higher estimated number? There's been... Uh, it, it is a funny thing. I mean, backing up and, and taking a look at like quantitative easing and the Federal Reserve printing just a ton of money, it is like, right. it is the best advertisement for crypto that we could possibly get. That is really what it comes down to. And then as far as like uh, the inflation, when things go up and especially, I mean, just look at, just look back at Jerome Powell when he said, we're going to keep all the rates the same. I mean, right. It was good for a while. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, uh, who was it? The... Janet Yellen. Janet Yellen came out and said, you know what? We need to raise those. And then, of course, people lost their mind. Let's and then she came back and that. Let's rethink that. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't that, that uh, it was uh, not that big of a deal and everything kind of retracted. So if we take a look at like the inflation, I think people are expecting it. I don't see how we can get out of inflation, yeah. especially with the amount of dollars that are uh, in circulation. I think it was in the last uh, year to two years, we printed, what was it? 20% or 30% of all money. That's 30% of currency. all the money. Yeah. 30% of current circulation. So if you take a look at that, how can you possibly say we'll escape inflation just because, you know, we are the world reserve currency? I don't think that's really how it works, but uh, some people will tell you different. I think personally, it's going to be, it's going to affect uh, the traditional market first. People will lose their money mm -hmm. or they'll say, I'm in a bad position. They have liquidity over here. They're going to take a little bit out. And the smart investor will take a look at that and go, this is an opportunity mm. because not only is it everything's on sale, but what fundamentally has changed for cryptocurrencies? Well, not much. It was built for this. So, you know, hopefully 
there's again, there's going to be a split between the actual investor or the trader who's like, I got to get out. And the yeah. investor is like, this is a great time to buy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, you know, that's the scenario when you look at dollar cost averaging, which I think is a great strategy. It's one that I practice. Of course, you get involved in, you know, we here on the show also trade a little just so we can kind of experience some of the new tech and some of how the volatility hits some of these coins and some of the digital assets, NFTs, et cetera, uh, and going that direction. So it, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of uh, affects crypto. I know it's going to affect the stock market. So I'm bracing for impact tomorrow when the numbers come out. I think it's 530 in the morning, which it's I'm not getting up for call. that. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll be, you know, six o'clock, I'll be up going, okay, what kind of shit storm are we going at today? Uh, we'll see. Let's talk about the United States. Uh, <laughs> that was a bad segue. <laughs> from shitstorm to the United States. Uh, let's talk about United, the United States and how our country needs to prepare from a digital asset side of things. Obviously, China is at warp speed right now in trying to build and move toward digital, um, both digital currency, but also in a kind of digital contracts with their, their you know, citizens. How do you see the United States kind of moving into that direction around managing digital assets in the future? Well, if you would have talked to me about this a week ago, I would have said we are way, way far behind. I mean, we talk mm -hmm. a good game, but we don't really do anything. But right. there was an article that, that just came out. Uh, NYDIG was working with uh, a, a plethora of banks, and they are hundreds of banks are now going to be able to offer uh, custody and trading services Right. for crypto and digital assets. So yeah. that gave me uh, a lot of hope, especially for America. But again, if you look at any kind of technology that really has the opportunity to change things, the people that, the countries that embrace that are the ones that actually take control. You can take a look at the Industrial Revolution. I mean, take yep. a look at the early 1900s or, yeah, 1900s, uh, Great Britain, uh, steam engines, uh, mid-1900s, mid then you had larger, larger industries, metals late 1900s you had the, the computer age and look who took uh, over that well mostly uh, you're going to have the united states uh not, not china japan those types of areas and i think as we come into a next uh industrial age i think the ones that control ai and blockchain will be the new world powers yeah yeah well that's great since we don't really lead the world in stem graduates that's a problem for the United States when you think about that, because uh, if you look at how many people are we graduating into our own societies in terms of education, we seem to have, have really moved into more of a Netflix consumption country as opposed to what we were, you know, 50 years ago was pretty much the world's innovators and the world's builders, you know, in the sense of being able to control everything. No, it's it's really true. And Paul, I know like like before we got on, we talked about there's a couple of things you never want to talk about to, to keep keep the show pretty well. Religion and politics. However, <laughs> there's there, there there is one thing when you said that, I thought to myself, isn't it education should be one of the most paramount type of industries that we should be focused on? And it's almost like a national security risk if we don't put money into that. And like you said, for STEM, if we don't do these types of things, who's going to pass us by? Well, we're already right. getting passed by. Yeah, exactly. So we can, if you look at different empires, uh, to, to, to use, use the term loosely, and how they all just, just started to crumble, they all crumbled mm -hmm. from the inside. 
Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, I, I was in the army for eight years. I love America. You know, I have nothing, I, I can't say anything else about that, but I look around and it's not the America I remember. And it looks to me like we are getting passed by in a lot of industries. And that's just how I see it. Yeah, education is uh, very key there. I'm trying to figure out that myself. We have two young children and uh, my wife, who's a physician, uh, you know, myself, computer science, run a media company. And I'm looking at the same kind of scenario is that uh, we aren't seeing the kind of opportunities what I think are going to be for our children in terms of education, because they're going to need to really compete on a world stage, especially when you look at technology and and digital it's why i'm so passionate about tech on our own show here is this essentially is it is the industrial revolution of the next 50 years uh which then will hyperleap to most likely space and what's going to happen you know at that level but 50 years is a long padding for being able to get yourself under your uh, you know kind of your feet under you from a country standpoint uh in terms of development for sure um for sure yeah, so so uh, things are good, but it could be much better. Uh, let's talk about. I want to jump back to Bitcoin for a second because I'm seeing you know some some bits of trends to where we've seen kind of this shift of where um, you know Bitcoin was the big dog in the game, and we've seen a bit of a ratio uh, comparison that has moved uh, considerably in the past year for Bitcoin in terms of its market share in terms of total. Uh, market value and where the investments are going. A lot of money going into altcoins right now. Why do you think that is? I think it's just it's just the cycle, and it, it all depends on on what you want to do. And I always talk about there's always for the last two two cycles has been a two four year cycles, and we start everything starts with a halving, right? And, right. and Paul, you know, on, on my channel I say this all the time. 2012 halving, Bitcoin halving, which yep. you know half of what is being mined and half the rewards. That leads to the same demand, but half the supply. So 2013, a year later, you get an all-time high. Yep. 2014, there'll be a big dip. 2015, there'll be a reset. 2016, there's a halving. What happened in 2017? All-time high. Same type of thing. 2018, dip. 2019, reset. 2020, we had a halving. In 2021, we're going to see, I believe, a massive all-time high. But the thing is, well, there's two things. First of all, I think there is a bear market coming because if we look at the last eight years, right. that's, that's what has happened. But if you looked at markets beforehand, it all kind of works out the same way. People who are like, what's Bitcoin? Because that's all I hear about. That's what, that's what everybody talks about. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll get into Bitcoin. They get into Bitcoin, they go, hmm. So right now, uh, Bitcoin is roughly around $56,000, okay? For it to go... And it's, it's, it's roughly at a trillion dollar market cap. For it to double my money, I have to wait for it to go to two trillion. And that's just yeah. in Bitcoin. Yeah. So, okay, what about, this is other things. There's a V chain. Yeah. Uh, there is a anchor. There is a zero token. There is a tomato coin, whatever you want to call it. And the market cap is so low that you could say to yourself, well, maybe I want to take a look at these because instead of doubling from one trillion to two trillion of market cap, I'm going to go into a, and I always use this reference, tomato coin, which is at 10 million. And for it to double, it'll just $20 million, 30 million, yeah. 40, yeah. and I'm 4X and 5X. So you'll always see, especially as the bull run starts to, starts to go forward, things will go into Bitcoin, as I call it a gateway crypto. <laughs> and then it'll go to like the top 20 to 50 uh, cryptos. And then people get adventurous and they start to go into the top 100s, 200s, 300s, 400s because there are massive gains. And when they make those gains, 
they tend to lock them in by going back into the top 20 or top 50, mm-hmm. and maybe even into Bitcoin. And I think in, in this day and age, probably into the top 10, which could be, you know, Ethereum, Cardano, or Polkadot, whatever, what have you. So it's just yeah. a natural cycle. So you, you feel comfortable that this is kind of part of the expiration. That works a lot in stocks the same way. Hey, listen, I can't afford Amazon, so I'm going to look at some other, or I can't afford Tesla. I look at other EV aspect com- companies or the companies that surround that, you know, kind of that cottage industry of electric vehicles, whether it's battery or autonomy, those kind of things. So you look at it kind of the same way in the cryptocurrency space. I do. And then for me and my subscribers, there's, there's a real difference between like uh, the people that are there. There are some people who have been there, who have been in the crypto game since 2012, 2011. And of course, they're just kind of writing it out. They're just like, you know mm-hmm. what, that's fine. Or people who are like me, 2017, we've already dollar cost averaged. And we're just kind of, you know, just kind of waiting along, adding to our positions and dips. And there's other people who are just getting in now. They're like, you know what, it depends on your goals. Because Paul, I was talking about this, and you know it. Uh, your goals aren't my goals. And, uh, and, and my goals for you watching at home uh, those are not your goals. So maybe you want to say, you know what? I just want to play it safe. You know, I just want to put a bunch of, of, of my capital into a Bitcoin. And if mm-hmm. it doubles in, you know, a couple of years, that's amazing to me because I'm in right. traditional space. Other people yeah. are like, you know what? Let's go full tilt and let's uh, hit that uh, uh, 1,018 market cap coin and just put in a thousand bucks and let it ride, baby. And then yeah. they just it's like a gamble. Let it ride. I like that. Okay. All right. So you, you mentioned or uh, kind of alluded to that you think this bull run is, is coming to an end. And I've talked to and seen several people kind of talk about where that might be. If it's the end of 2021, the fourth quarter, what are your thoughts on where you think we could start to see a slowdown? If you look at uh, Plan B stock to flow, this is actually taught to me by uh, CJ Reichel over at Market Rebellion. If, if, if you just take a look at like how many days uh, before the next halving, that's pretty much mm-hmm. how it kind of just comes down to. They look at it around September or so is when things mm-hmm. will start to really start to slow down. Right. I've heard this, this, this month again, September and September and September. And if you think about it, like even if you could, who was it? One of the Rothschilds said, I make all my money because I never sell at the top and I never buy at the bottom. So no one's going to time this perfectly. So if you're, if you want to play it safe, like for me, I'm going to, I dollar cost average in, I'm going to dollar cost average out uh, around September, October. I mm-hmm. think it'll still go to December, but if I'm wrong, well, I'm wrong all the time. Ask my wife. So like, I could just, I could just say, well, you know, I hit it. I hit 70% of my goals, 80% of my goals. Right. And that's fine. But other people are like, you know what, let's, I'm going to play chicken with everybody and uh, I'm going to go all the limit because I think it's going to be December of 2021, January 2022, or even February 2022 when it stops. Me personally, I just have these price points where I think it's going to go. Like I personally yeah. believe Bitcoin will be 150K. I think Ethereum, if they deal with these fees, maybe around 8 to 10K. And uh, like uh, me for uh, Cardano, I think it's going to be around 3 to $5. And yeah. it's just that these are the most conservative numbers I can potentially do. And, mm-hmm. and just like Paul says, uh, I own all those I just talked about. So uh, full transparency. Yeah, for sure. And just as a, a disclaimer here, not financial advice here. We're really just having a good conversation about how we are talking about digital assets in the future and kind of how it's affecting our society. Because if you're, if listen, if you're walking around today and you're not a time traveler in, in some way, 
Um, you understand right now we are in a, a shift and you cannot deny it. It's definitely happening. Uh, there are a lot of people, though, I still talk to. They're highly educated that, one, know very little about advanced technology, AI, robotics, where we really are on that. Uh, mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of people in the, in the finance side of things that are not into fintech and where you know, digital assets are truly moving. And I think that's the thing that is probably the worst thing with as much resources that are out there, you know, channels like yourself and many others, education is kind of, uh, if anything, you've got a plethora of options to really kind of educate yourself on where this is moving. Last question on this topic, Rob, and that is um, NFTs. So we've seen, and we're seeing a lot of movement in the uh, space, both from a personality side, um, sports figures, you name it. I mean, it's likelihood we're going to have a GI Joe NFT pretty soon. So is this something that is going to be a long lifespan or, or is this something that we, we think would be uh, a little bit more limited in its growth? First of all, it, it's even hard to, to tell people what an NFT is. Like, what's an NFT? Well, it's this thing that's on a blockchain. Well, what's that? Well, it's this thing. I just told you. It's cryptocurrency. Yeah. yeah. It's it's. Think of it like a baseball card that lives on the internet, essentially. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. Uh, it's just there. and it, It's on the internet. And it's for you at some point. And, right. of course, if, if you own it, then you are the only owner. That's why it's, a, it's called a, a non-fungible token, right? Mm -hmm. Money is, is fungible, it's, you know, same way across the world. So, for me, when I take a look at, at NFTs and could it be huge, I think it'll be big. I think it'll be big in a lot of different industries and areas, especially for, here's an example. Like, I know that uh, some high-end designers like, like a Gucci, like a Dolce Cabana, they got into it because their whole thing is fashion. You don't buy a bag from Gucci because it, you just need something to carry things around. It's all status. So when they get into these things, it kind of uh, relays that they have this, this top status and it's very important. It's a very artistic type of thing. So that's one thing. And the other part that I see it in is for the gaming industry. I mean, you're looking yep. at a multi-billion dollar industry in esports. And I will remind everybody at home, when this pandemic hit and you turn on ESPN, what were you watching? Well, you weren't mm -hmm. watching people, legitimate people playing basketball. You were watching the esports crew and they were playing basketball all day long. Now, it's been different because, you know, we, we switched all, all the way back to it. But you still can't uh, denounce that there's still a multi-billion dollar industry. And in the gaming industry, when, like my grandson, when he plays on Fortnite and he's playing all these different games online, it's all about the different items that he picks up and buys. Right. And that's only yeah. in that game. So like, if you take a look at like engine coin, that's the type of thing where if you want to buy uh, in-game purchases, that's the big thing uh, as far as like in integration. So an NFT could be like a sword in world of Warcraft, or it could be a machine gun in wherever else. And then you own that, you own that digitally which if you look at like 30 years ago, if you would have said, hey, you know, you can, you can own this movie digitally on this website called Amazon, like that makes no sense. I yeah. have this cool VHS right here and uh, I'm good to go. Well, now here we are. Yeah, for sure. So NFTs could, could kind of shake out into something really interesting, especially as we continue to see. And, and of course the NBA has been very, very active in this. So I think as we see more and more you know, potentials here, uh, definitely, and gaming industry, of course, I think is, is going to be a natural element. Do you think we could ever see NFTs, though, in modern 
use case scenarios for businesses down the road? Well, who was it that was, they had put, I want to say it was IBM, they created NFTs for their patents. Mm. And they put their patents as an NFT, which means it was only in relation to them. So instead of having right. a centralized figure, <clears throat> which would be uh, the U.S. Patent Office, they say, yeah. you know what, don't, don't worry about that. We'll just put it right here. And a- anybody can see whose it is and what it is, and here's our patents. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it was, and IBM uses a, a mix of a centralized and decentralized one. I'm not for sure on that one. But this was an interesting aspect of it. I could see that because, you know, it, it is uh, specific to that industry. So sure. Yeah. But I think mostly where it's going to come from is just a lot like what you said, Paul. You're going to see the athletes. You're going to see the celebrities. I think at the Golden yeah. Globes, they, they, they gave out, or the Emmys, they gave out NFTs to everybody there. And they're mm-hmm. like, what's this? It's this cool new thing. Great. And then, of course, they go to the Instagrams and, and, the, and the Twitters, and then it just kind of blows up. Look what, look mm-hmm. what uh, Elon Musk did for Dogecoin, and no one knows what the heck that is. Uh, yeah. Well, that's another topic all in its own <laughs> day for sure I and mean, we've had some uh, which by the way if you haven't checked out our, our doge video recently catch our latest update on that <laughs>